Welcome to Talk Cosmos, the show where Sue Rose Minahan and guests unveil astrology's ancient archetypes that continually build the collective experiences in our unconsciousness. Get ready to find your free will from your roots in the stars. Hello again. This is October 17th. 2020, and we are speaking tonight about the United States natal Pluto return. And for those that might wonder what exactly that means, it means that Pluto has an orbit of about 247 years. Our nation, you might know, since July 4th, 1776, has been in existence since its Declaration of Independence that day, 244 years. So in 2022, Pluto will, in its orbit, make an exact connection, or it, it will aspect exactly the natal position of of Pluto when this nation was born. That's one way of putting it. And those three dates will be February 19th, July 12th, and December 27th. It's a very slow movement. Our Pluto, because obviously 247 years, but Pluto is 27 degrees and 43 minutes of Capricorn. And at the time of the Sibley chart, which we use for the United States, one of the charts we might say for the United States chart was at 5.10 p.m. in Philadelphia. That's July 4th, 1776. And it was retrograde. I was trying to put four ideas in there at once, but Pluto was retrograde. And so during the, that year of 2022, it will be initially direct in February, then retrograde in July, and then finally again direct on the 27th of December. Understanding Pluto is our terms of transformation, of empowerment, exchanging resources, and it exposes and reveals shadows that must be purged because until we are able to purge and shed that skin, then we can have renewed life. Not an easy process. We're in the process now. We might wonder, what rebirths can we embrace? What will we surrender? And tonight, I have a wonderful guest that I'm really delighted and pleased. He's new to Talk Cosmos, but hardly to astrology. Samuel F. Reynolds, a former skeptic, had a life-changing visit to an astrologer and has since spent 30 years doing charts and studying astrology. Sam is a traditional astrologer, consultant. He teaches webinar classes. He mentors. He's also a keynote speaker and lecturer at international conferences. He's an author of print and online outlets such as ebony.com, Horoscope.com, Tarot.com, New York Magazine, The Mountain Astrologer. Those are a few, <laughs> only a few. And he's a board member 
uh, I should say a board of director member of various international organizations, the International Society for Astrological Research, wonderfully known as ISAR or ESAR, depending. And he is also on the Academy of Astrology, a co-founder of International Society of Black. Oh, you know what? I'm saying that wrong. So the point is, yes, he's a co-founder of International Society of Black Astrologers and a faculty member of International Academy of Astrology. His website is unlockastrology.com, and he resides in New Jersey. So I am most delighted to welcome Sam. Hi. Hey, Sue. Thank you. <laughs> yes. And what a big subject. I'm so glad that you suggested this. I've been looking at it from the lens of the moments. How are we marching? And now you're, this talk is going to focus on this Pluto and Capricorn that has a lot to do about ethics for one. And I'm so delighted to hear what, what comes to your mind when about this. Well, I've been really thinking about the, you know, the Pluto return for a long time because it really, it ties in, you know, the key moment related to the American revolution and what the American revolution was about. And I think, one of the things that we don't talk about with the American Revolution is its buildup. Um, and it's buildup specifically relation to the abuse of power on the part of the colonies. You know, recently I read Thomas Paine's Common Sense. I had read about Thomas Paine's yes. Common Sense for a long time, but I decided, decided to read it from cover to cover. And one of the things that was refreshing to read is how he systematically breaks down how we must look at power and who has power in our nation. And one of the things that will come up, I believe, as America goes toward its first Pluto return is the, the question of who has power in our country. And we think a lot about that in relation to, you know, some of the the usual talking points, give it to the people, the people rule, blah, blah, blah. But what does that really mean? I think Americans really are faced with. Um, one particular arena where I've given a lot of attention related to um, power and Pluto is with the police and policing in America. And why I have focused so much on policing is because of the unrest, the um, the discombobulation uh, that has been experienced uh, between the Black community in America and the police. Now, I do think it goes beyond that. I think it's important to kind of start there. But one of the things I've been talking about for years is that, you know, and I'm not just like villainizing the police as much as I think there's been a certain abuse of power that's come through the police. And I think it's reflective of a deeper dimension that's happening in American life. And you might say, well, why are you focusing on that in relation to the police? Because one of the things when you study the American Revolution was looking at how soldiers were viewed by the American colonists at that time. 
and the level of powers that they had. So let's talk about that briefly. Well, among the levels of powers that they had was search and seizure, right? They could just like literally stop you and be like, what's in your bag? Yeah, I don't believe oh. you, right? And so it's that kind of particular issue. One other thing to kind of take note, I want to kind of mention a special note for your listeners, is that um, when you think about, you know, it's, it's said that the start of the American Revolution was March 5th, 1770, and there was a black man who was killed that day in a confrontation between the colonists and soldiers. And his name is Crispus Attucks. What's significant astrologically, and this is sometime before, again, the start of the American Revolution, which as you elucidated for your listeners, is July 4th, 1776. So on the day that Crispus Attucks was killed, Uranus, the planet that deals with revolution and change, was at eight degrees of Taurus. And then we have six years later, we have where Pluto is at 27 degrees of Capricorn. Okay. Cut to May 25th, 2020, two months, 20 days, and 250 years after the death of Christmas Attucks, we have another Black man, George Floyd, who was unjustly killed. Now, what's significant is that Uranus was at exactly eight degrees Taurus. And then Jupiter, which represents how we have the experience of freedom and growth, was at 27 degrees of Capricorn, the same astrological position as Pluto was in 1776 on July 4th. And then, as you mentioned, um, in three dates in 2022, starting in February of 2022. So I think we're dealing with a critical moment in parallels of things happening in history that augur what I might say could be the extension of uh, the American Revolution or the second American Revolution. That's what I believe we are witnessing. That's really, for astrology, a wonderful correlation of looking at the cycles and, you know, I mean, we know that life seems to remind us of things, but to pinpoint is a is is real significance because just Capricorn itself has everything to do about abuse, p- potentially the shadow yeah, side, potential. abuse of, mm-hmm. of um, abuse of power, and and when you were speaking, Sam, I was thinking also, you know, about the the the. the um, was about boot camp. And I was thinking, you know, because we know that abuse can be in these large institutions. Um, It's just a process. It's like weeds in a garden. It happens. You got to clear it out. And and sometimes um, purge the whole thing. Yeah. um, I'm sorry. Go on. Oh, I was just going to follow up and just say that with, because in boot camp, this, it's you're so right about bringing up i mean there's a parallel that's all with how the we uh, during 1776 people would see um the search and see uh um um i'm I'm trying to relate the exact words here you know search and and seize but in boot camp people were allowed and, and hey i'm not in the military i happen to be married to somebody that's a veteran and i know that it was it's pretty brutal 
it's like it's okay to just well this is we're talking vietnam but um and i really don't know if the boot camp the whoever does it is different but in other words how we accept what we think is consciously fair uh, this that belief system going back to jupiter you, you've really hit a nugget here because it's all integrated and it and it gets to a point where we have to focus put some light on it just like pluto reveal it to say this was the norm but it's not uh, just right and i think there's a between what someone subjects themselves to by enlistment in military service and then what civilians uh endure and and i think that's the key problem in american life right now and has been in its its past history there's too much of a blurring between the militaristic sensibilities of public service and servants and then what's happening among common citizens so there's been enough written on the militarization of the police for example yes. so i i definitely believe we need you know people to kind of keep law um so i'm not advocating for lawlessness no, i understand right but, just, but, yeah. but i think you know we have to ask certain questions like why 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 do you, do police officers need tanks when we have a military like mm -hmm. why do why do you need to have like all of these humvees you know in terms of public service and then you know a lot of people misunderstand the nature of when we say or people say defund the police i think it's a reallocation of what services might be better suited uh in terms of dealing with particular issues so for instance if there's a mental health crisis you don't necessarily need yeah. police to come out who've been only trained you know who get a training for six months and then have only had like a cursory training in mental health to come out and deal with someone who is brandishing a comb yeah, yeah, i have exactly. actually you know in new york there have been a number of people who've been shot by the police who are pretty much you know visibly brandishing a brush or a comb that happened here too in seattle a, a man that made totem poles was just carrying his little knife it was a couple of years back yes it's a lot of um rash rashness i think communication i'm just thinking our pluto natal pluto is opposite mercury and of course mercury is pretty uh, important now it's ruling the north node but and and i don't know how that goes with traditional astrology but the fact is it's just by communicating when you say ask questions and getting away from these cliche words that's a huge part of my own thinking of how we can rebuild rebuild our our well i think yeah I, and you kind of alluded to it also earlier in terms of you know you know institutions i think one key way in which that happens is more localized control and then kind of embedding into the system into systems you know a responsiveness to the people i'll give you an illustration i'm pretty sure where you are out in washington washington state you have a sheriff 
and chances are your county sheriff has been elected, right? So there is a responsiveness that comes from the people having a direct impact on their law enforcement. When it comes to police departments in urban areas, specifically in cities, police don't have to answer to quote unquote the people. The only people they need to answer to is usually the police chief who's been appointed by a mayor, right? It's not even a common council or you know a legislative body within the city usually. Um, it's more so directly by the executive branch. And I think there's a problem with that. And it goes all the way down to the beat cop because the beat cop could be someone who knows nothing about the community in which he's yes. emerged. And that doesn't, that's not just about like race. Like I don't need to have, you know, I live in a downtown Newark, which it's kind of, I mean, it's a predominantly black uh, city, uh, but there are definitely obviously white people here as well. I don't need to see a, every cop be black, right? What I need is some cop who is at least familiar with the people who might be in the neighborhood that would and be able it. to, right, rather yeah. than be afraid of them because they come from someplace else and yeah. they don't know the people. And so they have their own conceptions, misconceptions and stereotypes. So when we talk about different levels of power, I think that's, I'm talking about it just in terms of policing and law enforcement, but it comes into other things. It comes into education. It comes into, you know, how people feel a level of involvement in their government. One level that this operates on that we were just talking about is voting. So oh, yes. I think there, be, there should be a lot more of the feeling of participation and participatory elements of our government. So there was, mm -hmm. well, there was a two year uh, uh, council of I don't know how many people. I just I don't even remember. I'm sorry to say it was on an earlier talk this summer. I discovered this and it was their idea of how to um, uh, read, re, I don't know even the word here, but to re-describe our, uh, our government to make it really the promise, quote, that, that it is, and one of them was to make a day, it would be a, like a holiday. Everybody voted, and it was a holiday, and, and it was required to vote. And I, personally, I think, I know other countries, I think Mexico does this. I think that's a great idea that it needs to be a particip expected participation. And in fact, I might add too, I would like to see it so that the news is totally absent until the next day. Nobody knows from one coast to the other coast how people are voting. You just plain vote. You know, I just wanted to comment about the sheriff because I just got my ballot and I was so excited. But there's a couple of issues I was struggling about. But one of the issues we have is to change our elected sheriff to being appointed. Uh -huh. thought, yeah, yeah, that was so interesting. And you brought that up. They said, as of 1996, we uh, made it elected. And I thought, well, maybe that's a good, good idea. It's not being appointed. So, because yeah, I think you should keep with that. I hope you do. Yeah, um, I'm voting to keep it. I, I think mean, elected. because, um, you know, one of the, the hazards is that we've gotten so much away from the intimacy 
in the involvement of supervision of key elements of our life. So for instance, there used to be boards of education, which means people were elected by their peers to supervise things that were happening to their children. Now we have a department in departments of education where people are appointed who may or may not be professionals, but we don't hear from you know, people who are um, directly impacted by the decisions in their community. And, you know, they may have town halls or whatever, but in terms of key aspect of decision-making, that's not coming from the people involved. Being involved in politics is complex. I, I'm just thinking that it's a, it's a privilege or it's a right. It's not a privilege. It's a right that we have to exercise, but yet it seems progressively, I'm not sure if the multitudes of people go to the caucuses and learn about all the law because what you're talking about shows me the importance of understanding the ramifications of these laws. You know, it's not just voting a person in, but like you say, it, it, it gets into the philosophy. I'm thinking of the South Node Sagittarius. I'm relating it to astrology here. And I'm also thinking that it's the, the belief system of changing it from a board to a department and it's words like Gemini, you know, the whole nine yards. It's the definition, but it's subtle. It, it is important to understand. And that isn't something that is uh, addressed much in our, I'm not sure how it's addressed. It and might I think we will have to. I mean, one of the yes. things that's interesting about something else that's coming up that relates to this 250 year cycle is that we're, also going to experience a major shift on December 21st, where Jupiter and Saturn conjoin in Aquarius in an air sign. So we had a mutation of Jupiter and Saturn uh, conjoined in air signs in 1981. Uh, but that was just a mutation in a cycle where we were predominantly dealing with the conjunctions, the great conjunction between Jupiter and Saturn every 20 years in Earth signs. So now we are having a powerful shift. And this traditionally, classically, was a marker of change in civilizations. When there was a change in the elemental nature of the conjunction between Jupiter and Saturn every 20 years, um, which would happen after 240 years, roughly, that signified even a change in civilizations. Now, I don't think this has to become a change or even a collapse, maybe that's maybe the better word, related to our civilization. It can mean that since we're talking about an air sign, that we end up becoming more communicative, much more social, that we start to use the premises of social media as a way to aggregate discussion and meaning and involvement in terms of what happens with our society. Um, rather than using it just to kind of prop up other people who decide things for us without, without consulting us. I'm not saying that we have to, I mean, I, I understand the idea of a representative government, a republic, but I think there, is, there are also ways in which we can have much more of a direct democracy in particular areas of our lives. It's critical. I, I, applaud your focus here and i'm all about 
discussions and it makes me realize that it's uncomfortable inconvenient discussions sometimes because the the topics that need it's one thing to inquire and find out and maybe debate or not debate sort of di uh, digest well, I, think, I think we can debate and digest too yeah I but, think but we've lost the art of debate <laughs> yeah and it is a matter of how to ask questions and how to uh, really keep juggling that whole conversation and expanding it and 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 be willing to 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 make the changes when one realizes that belief systems or or ideas were founded on the weak weak uh, uh, faulty premise you know i mean the theory is great but what about the practice practice and theory you know it's great we have a nation yes that people can immigrate to supposedly once upon a time and and we have a nation that had all these ideals and those are grounded and fine. But the reality is that it, uh, equality is still a shifting um, standard. There isn't the, the real reality for economics and opportunity and, and it can get adjusted. It, 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 but it takes, it takes a lot of a lot of commitment and i'm hoping yeah well i think it takes commitment i think it also takes an understanding and education related to some of these things so many people think education is everyone getting the same thing um mm. you know that equality is everyone getting the same thing rather than seeing that equality is really getting what each person needs right, in order to kind of be on par. So I love the image of, you know, three kids trying to look over a fence. And it may be that, you know, someone may think about ways in which they um, give another kid three boxes on which to stand in order to be able to look over the fence. But there's a better way to even perceive it. That equality becomes more so that we look to lower the fence so you don't have to make all these additional adjustments, right? So I think the key thing that we need to keep in mind is that we have a society that really is geared toward the preservation um, and the care for all our citizens, rather than like, only the strong will survive. Oh, yes, yes. This is a good point. I love and mutability right now. We're in a very fluid energy system just well it's the cardinal of capital yeah it's very cardinal yeah yeah but we also have those nodes and neptune that's kind of doing its shift well this is october 17th with samuel reynolds and we are talking about the pluto return in 2022 so we'll be right back and We'll be glad to dig a little deeper. Okay. While we take a break from this week's edition of Talk Cosmos, let's take a look at this cycle's archetype. We are currently in the Yang period of Libra, ruled duly by Venus. By leaving the lower hemisphere of the self, the energy of Libra enters the arena where the completed self meets the other than self to form a relationship 
based on partnership. As a cardinal air sign on the descendant angle, represented by the equinox of equal light, Libra's energy learns through comparison and relationships, with the intention to integrate duality and polarities. This is Sarah Stromley at Brain Body Therapy, and you're listening to Talk Cosmos on Alternative Talk, 1150 AM, where we unveil astrology's ancient archetypes that continually build on the collective experience. Ready to shake things up? Try Alternative Talk, 1150. Hi again. This returning again with Sam Reynolds of New York and New Jersey. Um, you can check in. Sam at unlockastrology.com. And we're talking about the Pluto return that will occur in 2022, three times February, July, and December. And, you know, Sam, maybe we can talk because Pluto itself has everything to do about the right use of power. And so does Capricorn, which is exactly what you're really driving at. And it, and whether we want to or not, these subjects, this whole, it's gonna, it's gonna erupt. You know, it's it's what Pluto does. It wants to get rid of what doesn't work, what isn't giving life support through resources, and we have to figure it out. So getting the right tools, and you, your suggestion of looking at the well, the education of systems such as our police force that we give a lot of how can I say we we as a society on the broad side we trust oh it's going to be this pen it'll solve things well yes and no it creates problems too it it's not uh, so it's well to look at it because it the and what I'm getting down with Capricorn is it's hard work and dedication, common sense, which maybe is one way we've got the problem is that we're in this situation because, you know, we can take the shadow side of anything and it can be so disruptive because if you look at the shadow side of cancer, which is, you know, it's opposite of mercury and cancer, it can be very self-protective and too self-protective clannish like just me and my close-knit group what about them there over there and uh, Capricorn can get stuck with on its shadow side of looking at well the rules and we have to get things built it's for safety but the, the compassion of people and lives I mean both signs have their great virtues, so I think that's what we've really got to bring in through all this. It it won't happen. It's not hope, happening overnight. So this is a good conversation to bring in. Yeah, I mean, when I was talking about education, I mean more to, more the citizenry, but in terms of systemic deep change. That's going to be incumbent upon not just deep reform, but reallocation of services, reallocation of monies. Um, and then even in terms of 
who has power and how. I mean, one of the things that we have to give credit to with the American Revolution, even though there's a lot that was not done. Um, so for instance, it wasn't the liberation of black people. It wasn't the redistribution of stolen lands from indigenous people. Um, but one of the things that I could, I could laud is that it wasn't just about replacing the king or saying, you know, these are things that Thomas Paine talked about, you know, going along with some measure of increased reform in terms of parliament. They're like, let's change the whole thing and we can have the power ourselves. And again, when I say this, I don't mean just in the romantic sense of giving power to the people, a people united can never be defeated. It's more so dealing with um, the idea of, I think, getting back to the sense of more intimacy and intimate sense of connection between people and their government. That's what we're really talking about. Uh, when many people who are reformers and progressive talk about more localized government, even down to you know, how we have an intimate connection with district, I think that's what we need. I mean, America's not been the same since it's become much more of an urban country. Oh, um, yes. And I think, you know, one of the things that we're still struggling with, which our politics really shows, is that there is a powerful bifurcation between what happens in rural areas and what happens in urban areas. Oh, absolutely. And I think we need to really as a country also be aware of that. You know, there are many people, people always are amazed, like how did Trump win? Why blah, 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 blah. Because a lot of people in rural areas felt forgotten, felt unheard, felt that they didn't matter. Um, and then there are many people in certain parts of urban areas who felt similarly. So, you know, one of the ways in which this has to be addressed especially with all this amazing technology that we have, is how are we using it also to bring people together rather than forming more of our different packs? So. Yes. I'm thinking if people realize responsibility also along with respect for every individual, very utopian idea here, kind of the whole oponopono idea that we all have this responsibility for whatever has, however has happened. And it goes along with respecting and listening to each person, regardless of whether they're homeless or whether they're of another, any orientation, any racial, etc. You know, but, you know, I'm just looking at this chart, too, to try to figure out. I'm looking at the first one, and it seems like on the... Let me see which chart are you looking at. The 19th, July. Okay. Not July. Jesus. February. Yeah, thank you. February, yes. I don't know where July came into it. Okay. Um, that's the second one. Yeah, July. Come on. February 19th at... Um, 5:22 p.m. Actually, oh yeah, in Washington D.C. 
it should be. All of a sudden, I have Kahlua Kona because I'm moving to Kahlua Kona. So everything I did was Kahlua Kona. Well, this is interesting. Okay. So, <laughs> but, the, but it would be same because it's a by will. So, of course, it's all. And this is February. Just repeat the date again, please. February 19th, 2022 at 5.22.01, if you want to do the little tiny part of the second, p.m. And for Washington. Okay. Well, no, yeah, it should be for Philadelphia. Okay, yeah, we could do it for Philadelphia. I mean, I, I'm just yeah. thinking about the head of, because that Philadelphia was the head of government at one particular point. So that makes sense. Yeah, um, that's always what I go from. I go from Philadelphia, but that's a thought too. But looking at this, regardless, and, and I put on the by will with our Sibley chart, July 4th, 76, sure. 1776, um, 510, just telling folks out there p.m. Philadelphia but amazingly a Venus transiting Venus and Mars are conjunct exactly at 19 degrees Capricorn and just uh, 20 seconds I mean 20 minutes away from each other so they're it's very you know it's exact and in Capricorn so I don't know how, and of course that's opposing um, our sun. So it seems as our direction and our values, our money, you know, the, I mean, it, you could look at it all kinds of ways, but I'm just hoping that there'll be a, Sue, we lost you. Oh, oh dear. You were just saying you, we, you hope there will be a what? Oh, through the turmoil of it, that there will be a connection between the desire of, of values and trying to get to, you know, all the things that Venus represents in both signs and it's, you know, Taurus and Libra with Mars of our direction. It's, it's intense. It's going to be pretty intense. Yes, I think, yeah. yeah, I can hear you. I, I think it becomes, yeah, I mean, Mercury is also conjoined to the south node for that first return. I think it becomes, you know, symbolically, and then also the moon. Um, the U.S. moon is opposite to the ascendant for that return. And I, I think there's just, there's going to be a moment of real strife that the American people may have with ourselves um, and our sense of desire. I think that becomes a real challenge. Um, I think that Venus, Mars and Mars in Capricorn has been a very challenging position <laughs> for America. Uh, you know, I won't say all the times it, it, it comes up, but at 9-11, Mars was in Capricorn, um, conjoined to the South Node. And then uh, again in February, Mars was conjoined to the South Node, just as we were at the brink of dealing with the coronavirus. Um, so to kind of deal with Venus Mars is again, we were dealing with some measure of the marshalling of the will of the American people. It That's will be, yes, 
um, Sam, it makes me realize you're absolutely right. There's no fairy tales about this. It's really serious. It's somber. You know, the moon. And I'm not trying to make doomsday. I'm thinking of people yeah, who are I don't not think just talking. To, yeah. <laughs> All of a sudden, I realize, oh, my gosh. But the fact is, there is a moment of sobriety, of, of, of reality, of going, wow, we need to focus on this and kind of pull up the bootstraps and and get together in the ditch and start working together and not rather than po point pointing fingers and and the fears and all that because also there's the transiting moon is going to be conjunct saturn of course saturn is going to be the name of the game in this guidance one might say and it wants to be fair it wants to in Libra, but yet it's going to have a lot of negotiation. You hopefully the will be wanting to negotiate. We'll be want. We'll be realizing we need to at least some people. You know, can't rule all the people. And when you said Saturn, and oh, you mean Saturn, the natal Saturn in Libra. I mean, one of the things that's also yeah beneficial is the, the trine between Saturn um, in Aquarius to the natal position for the U.S chart the Sibley chart uh Saturn and Libra I, I I think that is cause for optimism but I think you know the good word that you use is sobriety it is kind of dealing with you know the American people really you know soberly dealing with the legacy of its unresolved issues absolutely and there were there were a lot of unresolved issues from the first American revolution that we haven't really come clean about, you know, whether we're talking about how we monitor, you know, a population, uh, also in terms of the unresolved issues from American enslavement, also the the divestment of, I should say, just broad sale um, theft of indigenous lands. Mm -hmm. But now we have extra issues. You know, what does it mean for how we going how we're going to power the country? You know, is a is an issue of whether we're going to have clean sources of fuel, or how are we also going to deal with fossil fuel um, and the distribution of it? One of the things that the world is waking up to is also between climate change and water. You know, in terms of who has water and has safe water, clean water. You know, I'm in a city that had has had a significant crisis related to water for the last three years. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so, you know, some people, I mean, the city has been aggressive and progressive in coping with it, but it does still, and it did have a water issue, <laughs> you know, in terms of who had safe potable water. Well, so, and these yeah, sorry. No, 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 please. I, what I guess I'm wanting to uh, bring people's attention to as they listen to this or re-listen is that these subjects you're bringing up relate absolutely to Pluto and in Capricorn. So these are not just, oh, this is one conversation, which, yes, of course it is, but it is a matter of bringing focus to these ideas because history is everything about Capricorn. You know, by the time it gets to the 10th uh, sign at the top of the horoscope, the development of the people and the cultures are now 
working on their their structures of, of institutions and rules and that and with Pluto that's a transformational who power like you either have power or you don't have power this is what it's all about so I just I guess I for the astrologers it may be apparent but but for non-astrologers here too, it's it's critical. This this is what the the focus is, and so and water. When you think of water, I was thinking because Pluto uh, is underground, you know, and so we've been thinking that we had water underground. But I know in California, for instance, they're tapping that. It's pretty serious. Well, yeah, I mean, Pluto is all things that relate to resources. Right. In the yes. sense that and what we desire related that comes from deep from within. I mean, one of the things that people often forget related to Pluto um, and going back to the myth of Pluto is that he was, yes, the god of the underworld. But he was also by virtue of tapped into the underworld and where things come from. He was also the god of wealth. So and how one had resources, you know, this is why we had even have the word plutocracy, right, in terms of who actually has power and who has wealth. So I think that's another thing that is a critical issue for the American people and public to work out is where does the power come from? Who has it and why? And what are we doing with it? Yes. And that relates to taxes, all these particular things that also were foundational for the American Revolution. And I like your your the idea of ground up, you know, like from the ground. In other words, close by Gemini right now, North No Gemini is the environment, and it reminds me that in Eastern Washington, because we here in Washington State have you know the big city on one side of the mountains, and on the other side, it's mostly farmland. I mean, it's a lot of rural, so it's it's pretty divided. But there was a I read an, a article about a, a mayor, a woman, Asian woman actually, um, who transformed this little town that I used to, anyway, that I know about, Twisp. And she, and I won't remember the details and I won't say it, but she transformed by connecting to all the people. And it's pretty diverse. You've got your rancher farmers there and then you have some artistic people and then you have um, uh, people from the new age that have been there since the 70s so it's quite you know quite diverse but she's despite the odds rebuilt this little town where is it twisp twisp washington is I wish I could remember more of the detail. Right, it's T W I S P. You might Google that somehow. I can see you're active. This is yeah, good. yeah. It was really a great article. I wish I could. I happened to live near there for a little while because I was part of a melodrama group way back in my 20s. a melodrama group. Oh yeah, it was very what's exciting. A, what's a melodrama group? Well, it was Electric City Sideshow, and we did melodramas for the tourists. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. So it, it didn't last too long, but it was um, educational. I got you. Yeah, Twisp yeah. looks beautiful. 
Yeah, it was it's outside. very rustic. <laughs> yeah, outside of the city, because, you know, that, and I think that's really a great way to begin, too. You know, we think of Uranus in Taurus now, and which will be, you know, seven-year cycles, still be for another five years, uh, and it's about land, you know, and authenticity, getting, you know, how, I'm just thinking of how the different energies here in the cosmos are trying to get our attention because for people living on the land and people living in the city it's like that old story about the two mice the country mouse and the city mouse and they went to visit Which again it's a shaggy dog story but the point is it's regardless of the times or the eras you know we can divide ourselves in so many ways and it's time to start connecting ourselves like Gemini, connect. Right. Well, Gemini, I mean, you're mentioning the North Node in air. And here's what's interesting is that we're also going into this air era. Yes. Um, with, you know, Jupiter and Saturn. 800 and years. Saturn. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it's 800 years. Well, there's 200 years. You said 240. 40 years. Yeah. But I have read that it's significant in 802, which I'll have to really research okay. before I comment further but it yeah was... i got it maybe you know what it is hmm. what it could be as it goes through the complete set that might be the 800 years that it takes as long for it to get through you know the four elements and then to begin again oh i see so in other words it's maybe 240 times four part yeah. of yes because mm -hmm. it is the thank you I, i'll have to I, I mean, apologize, folks. Yes, if I'm. Well. Yeah, I mean, in, in terms of the complete cycle, and that definitely would be, you know, auger related to whole civilizations. But 240 years was often perceived as a very long time, especially, you know, classically. You know, there wasn't, you know, the fact that the United States has lasted this long as its own country itself, that's still like. A powerful testament because people say like well you know there's been the uk well the uk believe it or not um has all, uh, also gone through its transformations there was england of course from 1066 but then of that then for that to expand in terms of including scotland and you know northern ireland um and wales and all i mean that that's different <laughs> in terms of the aggregation of the different nations that exist within a country to become a nation, yes, you know, one nation. And Sam, you're absolutely correct. I just Googled it. It says there'll be a new cycle, Saturn and Pluto. Uh, anyway, every 20 years, we, as you had mentioned, and we astrologers are aware that Jupiter and Saturn make the significant junction. But they cycle through the four elements over the course of 800 years. So thank mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. You are right. Okay, yes, and with... Europe is definitely a way to globally look at the realities of of that. We're a big nation. You know, the United States is so it's large. Huge. Mm -hmm. It is. And sometimes I think, my gosh. But I think, too, rather than fear, which is a shadow side of Capricorn, which is really we've got so much energy in Capricorn now, is to really understand, like you say, to dissect this okay we have an issue things are not equal why and there are 
good questions to ask, like who has the power and why? You know, if we've given it away or if we not accepted it or if we not realize that we can change it incrementally from the grassroots and then go up and try to uh, participate, participation and understand each other more. Just get to know each other. I agree. Getting to know you. <laughs> Are you a singer too? Oh yeah, I did a little bit of that. Well, melodrama, yeah. You're an actor. I got it. Well, That's I why did. you have such a great voice. Yeah, for a little while I did this and that. So. Um, Gemini. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. It was, um, or maybe it's my Pluto and Leo. I don't know. There's, or maybe it's my Aquarius, Jupiter in the fifth house. It's okay. Of, well, you're coming up on a Jupiter return, so that's. I am. Great. I yeah, am. I'm really excited about this conjunction. Mashallah. Mashallah. Yeah, break yeah. away. Well, I mean, and then I guess one final note because we're coming coming towards. Yes, the I end. noticed too. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, for our international listeners, I mean, this is very. This has been a very American-centered, you know, discussion. But I think, you know, America has been cited as a world leader, as a superpower. And I think it's also a vital question of what is the real nature of our power and how are we going to use it, not just in terms of our citizenry, but also in the world. Um, because, you know, with these shifts related to Jupiter and Saturn, uh, with these shifts also related to you know, the nodes, and then also in terms of the Pluto return, it, it's a real question of what are we going to do about our power? Because there's also the, the ascension of other countries that are stepping up related to their level of power from China, um, Russia is back on the map again. Um, and then there are other smaller, you know, parts of it, you know, in terms of even England is dealing with like, you know, the question of its power and its currency and things like that. So we have a lot to, to contemplate individually, but then that also means how we're going to come together to discuss these things rationally, clearly, respectfully. And we're not doing too well with that right now. No, we're not. And perhaps it takes a bit of a fall to, to pick up and, and like, like an addiction of anything to really renew ourselves. But I love the idea of a kaleidoscope. I love the idea of many different colors shifting and turning and the, and the, the weaving and embroidery of many people and many voices. So I think there's potentially a great promise, if, but it will take some work. We have a few moments here. And I will comment next week is Laura, Dr. Laura Tad with all right yay planet buzz yes from the east coast too so we're merging the coasts and one of these days i'll be in hawaii but yeah congratulations <laughs> thank you and i want to address that this has been with samuel reynolds of unlock astrology he's involved in so many capacities here on a broad scale of a of the astrologers and you know with astrology like our moon in Aquarius wants like-minded and we want to improve so we'll have hope yet yes <laughs> hope I, keep hope alive 
Yes, well, it's just been a treat, and we'll look forward. Thank to you, Sue, for having me. It's it's pleasure. <laughs> we'll invent more times. Okay. Yes. Thank you for listening to Talk Cosmos, the show where Sue Rose Minahan and guests unveil astrology's ancient archetypes that continually build the collective experiences in our unconsciousness. Be sure to tune in next Saturday at 6 p.m. to continue finding your roots in the stars.